They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. But bye, 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 bye. But bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Come back. Thank you, Badders. Uh, our next guest. You, you've heard her partner before, um, and you may have listened to him on this podcast or on many other podcasts or his own podcast, but um, Charlotte got in touch because when we were at the running show, she said that she wanted to do a session about how to maintain your kit, how to keep it in good nick and how to repair it. And I, I thought quite selfishly, actually, that sounds like a really good podcast idea. We should get her on the podcast first before we also then. So... Um, we spoke a little bit to Dan previously about rerun while we were talking about his adventures, but we didn't really focus on, we focused on the idea rather than the practicality. So to get a bit more deep and dirty into kit, we've got Charlotte from rerun on the podcast. So welcome to the podcast, Charlotte. How are you doing? Yes, very good. Thank you. (laughs) So, um, well, I we've already spoken before do bad as listening that um and I insinuated that I am desperate to also speak, like to be the wife of Dan um but before we do that we're going to talk serious stuff so to talk do you want to explain when rerun first came up as a, an idea yes okay I'll try and be brief it kind of changes as well every time we talk about it <laughs> Um, because it, it, it we started it about four years ago and we initially just thought it, it came from a conversation where Dan was uh, he, he at the time he was sponsored by um, really by Raidlight um, had, mm. and was very happy with them and having a great time uh, but he was um, it, it was time for renewal and he was thinking that he had enough kit he didn't need them to send him any more kit and um he approached them uh with the idea of he wanted to run in their old kit or their seconds or like other people's kit but they weren't really receptive to that they thought they were like yes dan but then nothing really happened um so he i mean this is a really short version so that that kind of played into the beginning of rerun because he then decided that he was not going to continue his sponsorship and that he we would kind of try to create that ourselves and we had lots of conversations around kit um and how um how much kit there is around um how much kit he'd accumulated how when he started he didn't want any he was really happy he just used to run in these Reebok plastics and his he had a, a string bag that he would he would run in and he was quite happy in that and um we kind of initially thought let's just um like speak to everyone we know that's a runner get all their old kit and to start talking about wearing pre-loved stuff and wearing secondhand kit and mm. we were in india at the time and in india you really see the waste it's just there's there's nowhere for it to hide and there's there's just clothing and shoes everywhere and we would talk a lot about how that it's the same in every country but we're just in england really good at hiding it so we don't um you know it's the same amount of rubbish but we either send it away to another country Mm. or we bury it or we burn it whereas in india there isn't in most parts of india there isn't really that infrastructure so it's kind of there in front of your eyes and we just thought we we want to do something we don't want to be contribute like most people how Mm. do we not contribute to the mess and then how can we help in our little community and the community that we know, which was running. So when we got back to England, we just put the idea out there that we were going to collect some clothing and try to keep going. And our, our main thing was we will just keep it out of landfill. That's what we want to do. We want to keep clothing and shoes out of landfill. And we got and it and it just it must have been divine timing and uh, at other people must have been thinking the same way because we just got started getting sent loads just loads of excess running gear and then to it 
rerun has become shaped by what we've been sent and what we what what arrives on our doorstep so initially as ever uh, like a story that's been told many times it was race t-shirts so we we didn't mm. really get much kit we just we got about 90 percent was race t-shirts and we were like oh shit like what do we do with this no one wants to wear someone else's race t-shirt yeah um, so that's how it started and then so we we've made this connection with care for calais and uh, distribute aid who uh, um use the t-shirts for as emergency clothing in the jungle um in calais for refugees so that was um so so that but that's been continuing for quite a few years that is still a problem race t-shirts we still get lots of them although it's diminished a little bit it's still happening there are still races handing out t-shirts without asking people if they want them um and then over ordering and amassing them and asking us if we'll take 500 xxl and x extra small and and because they don't know what to do with them so it it, it the message i think i don't know if you think has got out there a bit that you know not everyone wants a t-shirt and can we have a choice please yeah although it's i because I, oddly enough i i had a, an idea maybe three or lockdown two years ago where i came up with the concept um or give don't take where races would instead of having giving you a tea would allow you to donate that money to a charity instead. And so mm. you'd have a drop down list and people would say, it. and, and actually we, I spoke to Dan about it, I think on the podcast or maybe a previous one where one of my ideas for how do we get PR about this is, is flooding Trafalgar square with all the race tees at the end of the London marathon. And the impact of that would obviously be massive because you'd, you'd have a really good PR uh, photo there. But um, and at that stage, I, I I gave up on that very quickly because it, it turned out the gym man was doing trees, not teas. Yeah. Um, but weirdly, during that conversation, I so during that that period, because I almost had this manic excitement about the idea where I was suddenly contacting everyone I knew from the running industry, and I had a, a, a chat with um, with Simon from Freestack from Like the Wind as well, and he's yeah i think this is the hard element of it is that um he was saying that actually for a lot of the races they're financially viable because of the sponsorship of the of, of the branding on t-shirts and so he um he'd um i hope he doesn't mind me talking about this but i mean i think he, i think he'd be fine um and yeah and so i think there is certainly that that awareness now of, of runners and actually there's an awareness of any runner who's run for more than three years because you just end up with too many t-shirts and I've moved house and I a question I said to Briggs is like how many how many tops do I should I keep and how many pairs of shorts um, are you attached I, to your tops do you your race tees um, do you... I'm not really I'm not I'd say I'm, I'm oddly sentimental about some things in life not my medals um probably got three medals that i think oh they're quite nice but race tees i have ones i prefer because they just look nicer or they remind me of something and i think there's an element of well i don't think it's wrong to take a race tee or to love a race tee it's just about having almost the hindsight in advance of is this is this going to be a special race tee to me and only taking those ones because there's some that are quite nice to wear when you're traveling because someone goes yeah. i'm aware have you done that race um or there's somewhere you've got your pb and actually got such a lovely warm feeling that is represented by a shirt but i think that's one of the challenges is that financially in the industry race tees actually seem to keep afloat some of the races or are the 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 only branding opportunity that really some local builders merchant in guildford cares about sponsoring the guildford half because they gonna... know there's gonna be five thousand people running around guildford with like dave's timber yard or, or whatever it may be and so that's where 
when Simon kind of suggested that if I was too aggressive with what I was suggesting, which was at the time based on very little sleep, quite aggressive taking on races, that actually these people are already in financial you know, difficulties with keeping races afloat. And that's the last bit of money that is that makes the difference to a few of them. So, um, but so have you seen then that races, it are races accepting now generally? This is not what people necessarily want. We reached out to a few races right at the very beginning and were like, thought they'd be really into it. We were like, this is a problem. Like, look what's happening, and mm. and for the reasons that you've eloquently just pointed out they they didn't want to know um and i i get all that but at the same time when you think about when i when what we did was we looked into the the story of a t-shirt you know that it that it mm. comes from the earth from a from a finite resource everywhere it goes everywhere it pollutes to then end up not, that it's plastic as well and that it then ends up not being worn in a box um sent to us then sent to because whilst it's you know the emergency clothing is needed mm. um and it's really valued it's not ideal it gets worn once it gets worn for a while there's no washing facilities in the jungle in calais when mm. new clothes come, those clothes aren't necessarily. They might be put in a bag if they, and carried around, but they but that's they they're likely to end up in a bin somewhere. So mm. you know, it's not it's not even ideal what what we do. Um, so actually, so, it's, it's it's almost more well, maybe not more, but the real issue is is not just the fact that we're taking t-shirts, but the t-shirts don't biodegrade. Whereas, say for example, it was all cotton t-shirts that went to the jungle, then at least while that's a resource that is not very efficient in its use, isn't going to just be left on earth forever. No, and it, but then the, the cotton is polluting more at the beginning stage than it is at the end stage. So it's not a case of that. There's a lot of clothing in the world. Too much mm. is being made. And if we didn't take a race T-shirt, if race T-shirts didn't exist, there would still be enough clothing to give emergency clothing to refugees. We don't need yeah. to take them and think, I can give this to charity um, and it will do good. It, there's, there is that much clothing in mm. the world that is lasting hundreds that you know that those t-shirts ca clothing can last as we know a really really long time if we look after mm. it we don't need to be producing 150 billion units of clothing each and every year which is the kind of numbers we're looking at now so um and so, and yeah, so it's, when... di it's difficult and yeah and how do you appease the sponsor but that would be my answer to Bob the Builder is like, all right, you want your name. I don't know. And the, it's just not worth the damage, I don't think, to the who. And, and you know, and we don't really, I mean, I do mention it a little bit at Rerun, but we mm. focus mostly on textiles. I don't even talk about the fact that very often that the garment workers, you know, it's really, really, poor treatment and poor pay so there's there's mm. that as well um so the whole system needs to be upheaved but um yeah race t-shirts is a separate it's kind of it's a problem yeah I would and what, what was like when you because i i know that well i know you both did these these very cool um split t-shirts where you get half of one half of another when you when you when people started to find out that you were receiving running tops did it did it become overwhelming the amount you were receiving yeah we're coming up to about 20,000 now that we which you know and we don't we don't get t-shirts from the, the major marathons they deal with them internally and and, and mm. you'll be talking for something like I I'm guessing I feel uh, well be interesting to see how close I am to the mark but yeah 
London Marathon will have over 5,000. We had one race contact us. They had 7,000 excess T-shirts. And, mm. um, so, and they were smaller than London Marathon. So um, we mostly get uh, we, we get smaller races and they the average seems to be between three and five hundred excess T-shirts that they have that they and 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 the other thing is when we're passing on these T-shirts, they um, the refugees, they, they don't want XXL. They don't want women's cut. It's small, mm. medium and large men's T-shirt is what we're passing on. So we we have. A whole section of our warehouse that is full of um, women's tops, and and interestingly, interestingly, the women's race tees tend to be worn. We don't get many new ones. So whereas with the men's, we get so many, and more more than fifty percent are new of the unisex t-shirts. But the women's what do you, th what do you think that is? Yes, they're wearing them, and then they're sending them to us. Unless we get so. them from a race, and then that that yeah. obviously that they're new. And, and when you when you have individuals send them in, what would you say is the the typical number that people would send in? Nine. We worked it out. Nine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we averaged it out. It's about nine in in um in a donation. Yeah. Okay. How many have you got? Well, I I've shared them along the way, and I I stopped taking them quite a long time ago. Anyway, but re interestingly, I I've moved house and messaged Alex from the running um charity saying do you need any kit because i've been keeping all this kit that was i was really nice some of it boxed and packaged uh, packeted still from sponsors which i treasure still because of at that time it was a great time in my life with some really fun people and also there's an element of it's just great to feel like you're you know you're special isn't it and and that's why that's what amazes me about dan the fact that Actually, by turning down his sponsorship, he's really turning down credibility to a certain extent because they're—that's what a lot of people yearn from sponsors. As much as the kit themselves, they learn—they yearn to be seen as someone worthy of um, a sponsorship. So, um, yeah, I didn't have many tops for him actually. Um, it tended to be shorts, um, leggings, bags really nice actually i'll tell you what it was it was nearly all london marathon pacing kit because oh interesting every, yeah every single year i pace the marathon and i've done that six times let's say and i never wanted the first pair of leggings because i do not wear leggings and so you end up with every year one set of every bit of kit because obviously the sponsor it's easier for them to just give you those kits rather than to do a spreadsheet and say who actually wants which of which and they don't want you wearing last year's kit because they're trying to sell the new kit so there's that that friction there so you do end up with a full set of kit some of which will be the wrong size but some of which you just never wear so actually there's all these people who are from the running charity who will be london running paces with your kind of runners world's pacing top um yeah there is it's things along those lines um we get a lot so, of london marathon merchandise yeah we 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 do we get and we get so many london marathon t-shirts as well i i think the solution is that you pay for your t-shirt if you really want because mm. i was just thinking we don't get bad boy stuff people have to buy it right yeah yeah, yeah yeah we don't get bad boy stuff we don't get um we don't get t-shirts that people have to pay for because i think they've paid for them so they've thought about whether they really want it so i know you're paying for your t-shirt in your in your fee but you haven't mm. actually had to decide do i want this t-shirt and type in your your number of your car you know make the effort to buy it um and i think that makes a big difference when also i think we've come up with a brilliant idea so i'm going to say it now maybe someone will hear it so, you know, when you if you uh, got a band T-shirt when you went to a concert and it had all yeah. the dates on it. So yeah. just to, to have someone start a company where you um, where you do that. So that person has one T-shirt and at the end of the year, you send it off to them and you've done this race, that race, this race, that race, this race, this PB, whatever. And they put it on the back of your T-shirt and then it's all on one. Yeah. Day. 
Well, um, if there's a, I don't know if Dan will be listening, but it sounds like the type of thing that Dan Ashford from Zempo might do because he he that's the not that's not the idea of his company. But if you run a PB time, give you a T-shirt where the colour is based on oh, do they the time you've done? Yeah, and so people are proud of celebrating their whatever race it is, and they'll get one of his T-shirts to yeah. to rep- represent that. So that could be something I could see him doing. And, um, and yeah, there's, there's something quite nice about that as well. Where Yeah. As, and think also, about... it's like it's all there when you're running behind yeah. someone. You can, like, read it. We, we, we made one up for me. I've literally, I've got five things on there. And, um, and whenever I wear it, if I do a little park run or something, someone will always say something about it. We and, give you something to read while you're running. And think about how many people love the 100 Marathon Club. And yes. are having to somehow remember how many races they've done, prove it, um, and then this is the perfect opportunity for people to just get their their T-shirt that we'd figure out the font size for a hundred marathons. Maybe need to like a seven font, yeah. And then uh, and that that way you can see you can almost measure it with a ruler how many you've done. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good idea. So, so when it comes to things like kit, then, because I'd say of of most kit that we use, it's probably trainers that we're pressured to change the most, and socks that seem to just develop wear and tear quicker than anything else. But are there are there some products that are worse than others, and are there ways of approaching it to try and ensure you get a, a longer life? So. I don't know how to answer that. Some products that are worse. I, I think trainers are probably the worst uh, because n- no one's made any that last. So and they get a lot of wear and tear from runners. And I don't know mm. what the solution is. I'm not a trainer. Um, so the, what what we get asked the most in our private messages is my kit smells. How mm. do I stop it from smelling? That is what makes me throw it away. Um, and then oh, really. How, yeah. But it smells even after washing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm actually one of those people that, yeah, you, it's, it hangs around and then it, it, when you heat up, it, the, the smell releases. So I get, I get a lot of people uh, messaging me about that. And then, um, and then holes in trainers, not soles, not the soles, because you can, yeah. you can resole them, but the, 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 they sort of fall apart on the upper. So for smelly yeah. kit, the home remedy. So for smelly smelly kit, if you're someone who has smelly kit, showering, um, have a shower. That's the main. It's you. You're the issue. Is that the is that the deodorant? <laughs> no, I think it can be a mix between your own personal chemistry and the really cheap, <laughs> or not even really cheap, but the polyester. But also what what um what you mustn't do with kit is wash it with um. Uh, the stuff that you put on after that makes it smell nice. What's that called? I'm having a conditioner. Plan. Yeah, don't put don't put that other stuff in the conditioner after, because that um, it almost locks in the it locks in the smell. So you you I don't we we try to stay away from recommending products, but I am going to recommend a product now. Nick Wax and Granger do a special kit wash. And it is made of different stuff to the stuff that you buy down at your whatever you buy. And they and they are they do consider the environment as well. They're not they're not um, they don't have horrible chemicals in them. So they don't have much of this chemical in it that is oily Mm. that keeps in the smell if you're and they also can strip away the smell if you've got smelly kit. So that would be my recommendation would be Nick Wax or Granger products. And um, and they do prolong the life of your of your kit. So especially if you're throwing it away because it's smelly. So um, <laughs> that's one of the main ones. And then trainer wise, what we've been trying to do with trainers is we sell these little. We found this seam seal tape that you use on tents and jackets and you mm. iron it on. It has a really mixed um, success rate from like, no, I'm not exaggerating, from like it can last five miles, but some people have had it for another 500 miles. It depends on 
your trainer and where it is on the shoe and but it's worth a go and what what we're trying to do is kind of normalize patching up your trainers so it just is um just doesn't look odd like it's just something that people do mm. um so you can buy that on ebay or you can buy it but they only sell it in like five meter strips so <laughs> either buy it with your running club or or we have some on rerun but we find that that really works um to uh and then it gives you a different mindset i think once you've you've patched it up and you're like oh, okay i'm gonna see how long i can make these last rather than every time you look at your trainers you go well they're fucked and they're broken i like i need to buy a new pair it kind of gives you I've, a different way of looking at them i think i've used that on my my favorite little trainers already and you do get looks so firstly i got a look from my wife briggsy who was outraged by it for some reason but yeah it is did you use I the seam seal or did you kind of do your own find your own way of patching them up i i use some tape i don't know what it was though i think it was tape that the physio had given me for something yeah with glue it was <laughs> almost like the back of it looked like a graph graph paper yeah. and yeah um, yeah yeah i mean it's it's had moderate success i'd say um but it's it's not the iron on one but um it, are there things we we can be doing with our trainers to try and prolong their life before we we actually pair them like do i know there was a time when they'd, they'd say never put your trainers in the washing machine but then some people do and now you get washing machine trainer bags as such and um whether you rinse them out or not after running like do, do you know if there are any good um strategies yeah, yeah. for extending so, life yeah so if you're like in the muddy fells and you can like hose them down at the end of it um because the mud when it dries it will get in between the fibers and it will it will slowly um wear away at the at the trainer so if you can do that, don't put it on the radiator because that's because it will it it could warp them and the, it will weaken the glue, it will weaken the structure. So if you had more than one pair of trainers, you can rotate them. Newspaper works really really well to so put newspaper in and 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 change it. Um, yeah, the washing machine is not ideal. I've seen those bags and they kind of keep them in there. It means they'll stay in their shape. You might have some success if you washed it on cold and on a really light spin. But I reckon if mm. you're going to do that, you might as well just run them under the tap or under a hose. Um, and I guess you wouldn't do that if they were caked in mud anyway. Uh, the main issue is the heat, them getting battered around if it was like a full on spin and mm. then um, how you were to dry them. So don't put them on again. Don't put them on the radiator. So. Um, you can, if you're someone whose toe pokes through, there's this um, trainer armor stuff that we've just discovered, which is a patch that goes in the new shoe and underneath where your um, toe pokes out. I reckon if your shoe always goes on the side or in the same mm. place, you could probably use it. I haven't tested that, but it would make sense to me that you could use it on any part of the shoe where it would go. Um, if you're going to resole your shoes, which I think is worth it, if you, I've got, um, I bought a really pair, expensive pair of Salomons years ago, and trail running shoes, and they're worth resoling. They were over a hundred pounds to buy, and it's forty pounds to resole. So, but you can't let them get too far down before you resole them. They can't go past minor pink. Like they have to still be pink on the bottom. You can't go past the sole. For them to be okay. resold, if that makes sense. And, and then, there, is it easy to find resolers? Are there are there a particular? Because I know, for example, Vibram, they do quite grippy soles. Like, is 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 it common to find variants in lugs and soles you can use? And is it easy to find someone to re regrip them? Yeah. So, Vibram Sole Factor. If you go on their website, you can go to their search bar and you go to find my co nearest cobbler. I think that's how they word it. And then you put in your postcode and they will give you uh, a list. And then you need to ring them up and find out if they're actually doing it. 
Um, so, but they might put you in touch. It might be a Timpsons or though, and they'll, they'll work with, so you want to find a cobbler that works with vibrant souls. And then I'd, it will depend on how good the, um, how it will depend on them how, as to whether they, um, how many different types of souls they've got. Or, but then there's Lancashire sports repairs. They will resell your shoes as well. And they'll be able to have an in-depth conversation with you about what you, what you want. Um, and I don't know how much they are, but I know that the average price is about £40, which is well worth it, isn't it? If it's going to stop you buying a new pair of shoes and you're, you know, if you've got a pair of um, Salomons and Nikes. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, actually, yeah. Because at UTMB, I was once in the, they have the Soul Factor truck there. I don't know if you've been, if you've noticed it there. And no, no. Loads of the elites go that like Hayden Hawks was in there when I was there getting his hokers done with with a chunky sole and they looked brilliant when they came out. So they um yeah, if you've got a pair of hokers and you wanna and they've gone a bit and then you wanna make them into a trail running shoe, they're the perfect shoe because their soles are pretty chunky. <laughs> and and are there some are there some brands that you know do be Significantly, I mean, the Vaporfly, for example, what they, whatever they're called now, that is, they even say, you know, it's probably going to be 100 miles of running in them, maybe 150, or it all falls apart. But are, are there some brands that you know to be sturdier than others, or some brands that are just pants when it comes to mileage? Well, the Vaporflies are pretty pants when it comes to mileage, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, sense, yeah. Um, it's a real shame and also because because they've got that added element in them because the problem with recycling shoes is they have so many components and they kind of need to be taken apart to be able to be recycled so mm. Nike, have, Nike have created an additional problem there with those um, I we with Dan we often discuss it feels like without naming individual brands they're either getting it right on the sole or they're getting it right on the upper and they should work together right, and mm. pick a shoe that works. And I don't, we can't work out why that is. And I'm sure everyone listening will, will know, you know, what, what those brands are, the ones that they always go. So yeah, we ha like Dan. So what Dan says, what he believes is, because his trainers don't, so his trainers will go at the, where he strikes, at the forefoot there. Mm. They never, but he wears shoes that are slightly too big for him, and he has a really even running style. So, of course, if you're a pronator, and you're wearing your shoe down on this back heel, and you, you could, there's only a certain amount you can do if you're, because eventually... Mm going to risk that you are going to risk injury so my suggestion would be that you work on your running style to try and have a more even running style which surely is only can only be a good thing and then that will have an impact on the the wearing down of your shoes um and yeah dan dan thinks people wear shoes that are too small for him i've no them i have no idea if that's true but that, and that that's why they tear but then he wears them half a size too big so but uh, <laughs> and he doesn't he often doesn't do them up so um but yeah i guess experiment that could yeah experiment with if you're if you if you're always going at a certain point on your shoes mm. try some different rather than trying different shoes which people i think do maybe try some different uh like not do them up so tight or do them up tighter or have them slightly bigger or something like that I don't know. And, and actually I, I think there isn't I've seen in uh, articles and things how you lace your shoe actually depends it has an impact on how your foot then moves around in the shoe and so if you are someone who's constantly striking the front of your your shoe it could be that by just slightly changing the the way your laces are woven can change the support within the shoe even even in the same shoe so it's worth having a quick google on that now when it comes to other bits of kit are there any uh, things like bags and uh, and shorts are there any things that and, and bras anything that in particular seems to be an issue for people that can be easily resolved 
Yeah, so tears can be really easily resolved on jackets and shorts that and that gear aid or tear aid, I think gear aid is slightly more expensive than tear aid, uh, is a really good great for that. So if you've if you've got a tear and just to catch things early, if you mm. if you leave something, it'll just get worse. But obviously we know that. But yeah, it, if you can make yourself catch it early and repair it early, then it's not gonna get worse. Um and then uh so that yeah we get quite a few jackets that come in and they'll just have a really they'll have a um like a big tear in it maybe yeah quite often um like three four inches long and that can really and we'll repair that and put that back on the site and it always sells you know if it's a salmon jacket mm. people will mm. um but any jacket yeah and then um clothing i think they should stop making race t-shirts in white because when I those are the ones that go into rags because I'm not going to give those to they don't go to refugees mm. um, and they're just a really nasty they just become a really nasty color uh, so if you have got dirty clothing um, you're more likely to give it away but uh, maybe if you're someone who's quite dirty Dan's quite dirty then buy clothing that matches the that you know that doesn't you can't really see it if it gets dirty that would be another bit of advice that i would say um and then yeah so holes and then with bags we get quite a bit a few bags that come in with um and the zips are broken or the buckles broken we don't do repairs um so and something like that we'll do an easy repair a simple repair mm. but uh, um and a buckle you could probably do but is it so if you i guess it that would depend if you've bought an expensive bag i'll get uh, to get it repaired and you don't have to go to a specialist sports shop for that you can go on facebook and find someone who whose job it is to repair clothing and they can they can repair zips then it, it and it's not too expensive uh, compared to the price of a new bag. I think sometimes the issue is we want new things, don't we? And we've seen the latest mm. thing and we want to buy it. And if we can just get out of that mindset, because uh, in the end, I don't think I, I was going to broach it earlier that we'd initially, when we were talking about race t-shirts, I said we initially went to event organisers, and but they weren't really interested in changing. Mm. And what what we then decided to do was m make our communication with runners and try to impact and influence runners in their behavior, because ultimately that's who's going to influence the, the, the brands. So if we can just get used to if we can give out the message to brands that we want to um, have kit that lasts longer and then hopefully more brands might offer a repair service for their own kit or you know ultimately the best thing would be that they design stuff without planned obsolescence which is where it um is designed to break mm. um after a certain amount of time so that would be good some some but brands do that but... don't you think it would be because you've mentioned how you don't like mentioning brands but actually surely the best way to try and achieve that is by championing brands that do seem to be creating longer lasting products and actually calling out products and brands that aren't that because a lot of a lot of customers don't have the time or the knowledge to really discover which one is good until afterwards at which point they're like oh I've just got a hole in this whereas if the communication is it's definitely loud about you buy this it's only going to be there for a year if you buy this it's going to be there for three then it makes it a lot easier for consumers to make their decisions. Yeah, it's, that's been said to us a few times. So I, the only brand I call out is Nike because I personally have a, I sort of draw the line at not paying people that make your clothing. Um, and that, uh, so I, ha I have beef with Nike and I will call, on a personal, I'll call them out. And then with regards to recommending people, what what we don't want to do at Rerun is um, encourage people to buy things they don't need. And there are good companies out there. And mm. like in England, we've got Presca for cycling, Presca Sportswear, and we've got um, Finisterre down in Cornwall. And they really stand out for me as uh, companies. But 
what I can say is look for a B corporation company and then mm. then you know that covers all angles they're paying their workers and they're um, they're interested in where the products come from and they're making sure that they're not polluting and they're giving back to the planet as well so that would be what I would recommend if you want to know where to buy from then look look for a company that has a B that is part of the B corporation because they have really strict standards uh, you won't find Nike or Adidas on on there. Um, they're simply too big. Um, and and I'll, yeah, I'll, I, it's time I'll, consuming slagging everybody off and championing. <laughs> people, and, and lots of people do it already. So mm. yeah, so we stay. And also, it creates not a very nice vibe. Um, so so we don't we don't do that. Well, championing, I I I champion on because they've recently. They now have a, a repair service that they've partnered with, and they also you can now buy refurbished DOM equipment as well. Because um, mm. that's the other thing. Do, so, do you make your does do, does rerun as a as a business exist purely on the the, the sales of resold items? Then, yes, uh, barely. It's not a viable business. No, we we yeah, it's not a viable business. So we we. We are we we're paid more than night workers, but not much, <laughs> not much mm, more. Okay. So uh, yeah, the 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 um what we're able to give back to the running community because that is you know in our um our yeah that so what we give back is in clothing, and um and we we so we do we redonate a lot of our clothes. We have a shoe bank, which um is uh. A, a part on our website that you need a code to enter and we give that code to uh, you can write to us if you're struggling financially and you need kit then you write to us and we will we can help you out if we've got kit to offer uh, we're supported by innovate and um, some some running shops across the country um, help us out with their uh, they they give us kit as well and that goes um, that goes on there and we work with uh, running groups so we so we give back in that way and also mm. if there's anything on our site and someone writes to us and says I really need this and I, I can't afford it then we're happy you know because all everything's donated to us so we're happy to pass to pass that on so um, yeah m m yeah we redonate a, a huge amount of our kit and then we have the running costs of the business, and then Dan and I both have other work that we do to supplement. The, um, and we have a um, we have an in, an intern uh, who is our daughter who works for us. As well. <laughs> yeah. And um and and in terms of other kit, do, uh, I know there is. If I think about the kit I've got, where I have a lot of kit tends to be because. Uh, like well if I run a short race in mountains I do this if I done an ultra race in mountains I do this if I do a um, an ultra race in mountains it's muddy I need this and do, do you think that kit is as specific as we're almost trained to believe do, do you think it, people can be a bit more flexible in how they use shoes I don't bags? think that I don't, but then, but then I live with Dan, so I, I, I see Dan, and he, he'll run in anything. He just wants to run. I, may, I mean, maybe if you're Killian Jornet and you're like really trying to refine those seconds, mm. um, or maybe if you're exceptionally geeky, and you know, and that kind of thing really um, floats your boat, and you want to, um, and and that's how your mind. I don't think it's necessary. No. I think you can get by. I, it, I used to run in in my Converse, much to Dan's amusement. Uh, how heavy they were! He, I, you don't have to, but it depends on your goals, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, but no. And in and when I look at it in terms of the environment, it's unnecessary. And because there's so many of us on the planet, it's damaging. Mm. That's the problem. There's just so many of us doing it. Um, mm. It's an it's become it is an issue. Um, we need to be more mindful and mindful globally. And that's the other reason why I don't always champion um, uh, brands 
is because sometimes a brand will have a really good product, but um, but that doesn't mean that their whole business is is ethical mm. or sustainable. Um, so it's really hard to get to the kind of to the. So yeah, that's another reason why I don't I don't always champion brands. Then um, kind of moving on then to more of the I guess the personal side of things like you've Dan is Dan's known for doing incredibly long hard varied challenges um, how do you do, how do you find it when Dan says to you right I've decided in three months time I'm going to do this crazy thing like do you have to be in that decision making or do you do you have to be included in the um the awareness of how much of a burden is on you as well uh i really really enjoy all dan's challenges and yeah i get we get into it to really uh together yeah and i i just i love it i'm so grateful for all the places that we've been because of him and the crazy sort of weird weird and wonderful things that he's done so yeah and we we're a bit gung-ho with it we kind of go in before thinking and luckily now we have a few pe good people around us like Robbie and James who keep us in check and and they're a bit more geeky with it all and they help us um because I'm a bit like Dan as well I'm like it'll be all right yeah we'll just do it let's just do it it'll be fine and they help us a bit with the with the planning, which definitely helps in making it more successful. Um, but I have uh, uh, no. He'll say something, and I'll most likely go, "Yeah, that sounds brilliant. Let's do it." So, I mean, it's, it's always going to be. They they've got longer now. They used to be. They they're getting mm. longer and longer. I, I can see it. Like is and it's just. And he really wants to do. Like I can see him eventually doing sort of cross countries and like he mm. he's really into the long the long thing. Um, and and what does like to get the whole family involved? So what what would your preparation look like in the run up to something like a ten day challenge? The what challenge? Oh, so, so well, just just any 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 of the long challenges. What would your preparation look like? What would would your responsibilities be within that so i'm responsible for food and and kit um so i will he's not interested at all in planning with me so days years gone by and not <laughs> with, the G, with the gb stuff we have someone helping us um i he would say to me i will eat whatever you put in front of me just you do it it'll be fine you do it and then sure enough I'll put something in front of him and he would say I don't want that and, then <laughs> um, and he's quite unique with his fueling and his kit because he really just tries to do it on on the minimum he doesn't uh, he, he he doesn't really want to be thinking about it because he, he I think Dan has a um, thing about over consuming uh, and that and that reflects with with food and with he just wants everything to be simple. Yeah. Um, so he, he he doesn't really take into account that he might need it. He because up there it doesn't quite work for him. It's just too too. He just wants to run and not stop. But the since the juggle, so we tried to do the juggle just me, him, and Mick, who is uh, who we roped in, who's who's very organised. He's like the captain. He captains the crew uh, for the GB 24 hour. Yeah, but we he we, we kind of wouldn't let him be. We we were just like just come and we'll work it out when we do. We we made it six days. We made it pretty far. But when we um after we'd recovered and Dan was better, we had Robbie ring us and Jimmy and and they kind of chatted to us. And we're like, look, if you're going to do it again, be successful, but just let us help you. And uh, <laughs> we want to be a part of it. And, and as you can see, it, it, it did make a massive difference to have that kind of preparation and Robbie there. Um, but now Dan's going to do the three peaks again. He already tried it once and made it 
not very far he's going to try mm. again and and pretty much the same thing has happened we've tried to just yolo it ourselves uh and then now we've had a few people we, we're going to go back to it but a bit but i think that is also how it works for dan and for me we kind of need to do that see what it's about a bit and then come mm. back and go okay right let's let's now do it like this and and what would you say the big differences are then in how you've prepared you'd prepare for juggle and how the preparation was once everyone else was involved google spreadsheets <laughs> whatsapp groups um yeah just much more organized down to the well down to the mileage dan dan wants to run on a field but um well, it works sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. I don't know. Mm. So, uh, but that's not how people, that's not how coaches seem to work. They, 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 they seem to be more structured. So um, it's definitely easier to crew him like that because the spreadsheet will have, you know, this, this drink, you know, this amount mm. of carbs every hour, this amount of mm. liquids every hour. So that is easy. And then when you want to go back, if Dan's having a weird moment and you've you've you can go back and look at that spreadsheet and go oh, okay but at this point he didn't actually drink anything for this hour mm. so he's or whatever it is so um and yeah we've definitely been when we went to Badwater but I mean that Badwater was a challenge because we couldn't bring a lot of stuff with us and we we were absolutely skint and it was so expensive and we didn't mm. have enough money to fuel him properly and we were like um borrowing not borrowing but trying to do swaps with second place mm. and he I can't remember where he was but like with his competitors we were like can we swap some watermelon for some ice and um, <laughs> so but we quite we do also like doing it it matches our it's kind of it's who he is and it's who we are so and mate so i don't know that's just how it how it pans out for us and and what what kind of tips would you give to other people who are crewing um partners friends uh i don't know if i could crew anyone else because i just i know dan really well i think knowing who you're crewing well and having a relationship with them where you've crewed them often it must be it has to be a good thing so mm. maybe that would be my tip that you would try yeah have have the same someone in the same crew and also what we have found uh, that we all agreed me dan and mick is that uh, on those multi-day ones you kind of you you become one one mind and you can um you you start to all feel each other and you you can't you can kind of tell if dan is going downhill you i don't know you all feed off each other's energy mm. um and we mick included and and Robbie didn't really want to we had offers of having like big ch a chunky break like maybe go off for a day and we didn't really want to do that because you because then you kind of disconnect and then when you come back you might be trying to force something onto Dan that he's not you're not in the zone you're not in the vibe mm. does that make sense you might try and behave a certain way or speak mm. to him in a like come on like super motivated type of way when he's not feeling like that during that time so um i think yeah when you crew i would say it, it works well to be in it in the the long haul no no uh, breaks throughout um yeah and, i mean yeah and do you do you find that like physically and emotionally hard as well yeah i i find i'm what i what always gets to me and it kind of makes me a bit narky at the end is that i forget i can't forget because it happens every time but i i'm never prepared for the fact that at the end of the race dan's finished and you're not mm. and that i find that really hard and in the when i've crewed for the gb team and you they finish and you have to pack up 
Like you've been up all night <laughs> and, <you're laughs> up and they're puking and you've got to carry them. And, and that bit requires that extra bit of energy that you've given everything, especially something like that. You've given everything mm. for those 24 hours and then you've got to find a bit more to like mm. help everyone a bit more. And with the joggle, Dan was the first time he was really unwell after for quite a while. Like, you know, couldn't move, and I'd be, and, and I'm tired because I've also been, mm. but I'm obviously, I, I'm, I'm sharing it with you because you're asking, but I realised that I, you know, I obviously didn't run 800 miles and <laughs> a huge amount of effort in, but yeah, that, that's quite hard at the end because you're, yeah, you're tired. So, so you almost need to be moody or to stay to stay um kind to stay kind and giving and patient well i guess the mood is is hopefully so joyful and excited and for an element and then you're you're part of that but at the same point yeah it's not you almost need a second finish line don't you when you walk in the home and uh get back in and there's something for you as a you've done it you've made it back yeah Actually, that would be the point that would be good to have someone else there doing, you know, making, going to get some water. It must be what it's like. Um, I think when um, at the very end of my pregnancy, I think I bossed Dan around quite a bit. It's kind of like that. It just feels like you're being <laughs> bossed around. Can you can you get me this? Oh, I can't. But, and it's because he's in an insane amount of pain. And you know, when mm. I when we sleep together, you know, in the night, he after some of those things, he's he he'll cry out in pain. It's it's that painful. So, mm. um, but again, you're tired and you're like, I just. But then I know that you're really in pain and you're suffering, so I should go and get you that paracetamol or whatever, or do something to try and help you <laughs> or get you some ice or something. Um, and it's is that quite testing on a relationship because, as you say, you most time as you say the, the, the dynamic changes where typically everything is a partnership but a partnership where it's typically on equal levels where you communicate and you discuss things and it's, it's made as a joint decision whereas in a something like the uh, jog or joggle dan will tell you will tell the team what he wants what he needs he sets the pace he sets but like it's he calls all the shots like does that do you think that is that stress on the actual relationship and it or is that very much segmented in you 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 behave that way when you're there and then you you suddenly once you're recovered back to normal life yeah that one yeah when he's in a race i'm it, yeah they they i'm not his i'm just following instruction and we're kind of there to do a thing and Dan's pretty good. He's not very rude. He's really he he doesn't allow. And if he snaps, he to anyone, he will apologise really quickly. Um, and that really helps. He'll say, oh, "I'm sorry, I I I snapped. Then I'm tired, or or whatever." So I might I give him credit there. He's he's pretty. Um, he's a nice. He's he's not. He he's able to remain nice during even when he's asking for things um and he he finds it quite difficult to ask for things as well so he um will always say it like please and can i um can i have a bit more water or anyway yeah he's <laughs> not he's i've i find him quite easy to to crew and also i've learned to just go into it i don't take anything personally when he's running mm. Um, but yeah, that changes when we when we get home. I guess that's what I was what I'm trying to say is I get home and maybe my mindset changes of like I'm home now. I don't mm. want to be your um, you're, yeah uh, your bitch anymore. Your bitch. As such. <laughs> like, yeah, just uh, yeah. So, but we do. I mean, we we you know, we we're so lucky. Like, we have that adventures and we really uh love the ultra running community like we but he he feels so lucky to be a part of it and to be able to do all these great things and and i i did just when he first started running the whole family and we didn't know any other ultra runners we didn't really know it was a thing 
and he was doing these weird challenges we um were all really really worried about him and and then and then and then when we kind of realized that it was a thing and lots of other people did it i had a moment where i thought i oh, i and then when he joined the gb team and they had their own crew i was like oh hang on a minute like what about what about me and i i worked really hard to make a place for myself because i think um when you have epic experiences like you guys do i've never run more than a marathon but so when you 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 have these epic experiences and they're hard to relate to someone who hasn't done it or doesn't understand and you and i realized that and i and this is my way of being able to understand it a bit and be able to be a part of it um is by being a crew member and do you think if you're and do you think if either of your kids decided they wanted to go and do some crazy long ultra, would you want to crew them? Oh, we're always trying to get them to do it. We think Ruby might, we, we, we think, because she goes out all night. So uh, maybe <laughs> one day she might do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's got the endurance. Her. Yeah, yeah. She's training in endurance right now and she's doing well, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i wonder i wonder what they will because it's a later in life thing isn't it so yeah. it'll be interesting to see how it rubs off on them um mm. in, in what way or hasn't put them off they get really into it as well and they'll they'll they don't they did used to come and crew when they were younger they're not so interested uh in actually being there but they'll they'll stay up and follow along um mm. they don't feel the need to be there anymore well, it's so hard to be there when it's 10 days as well. Well, um, yeah. well, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, explaining your side of things, but also telling us about rerun. If you've got one message out there to the runners, do batters, like what would, what would the main takeaway you'd want them to have about kit and about the environment? I, I think the best thing you can do to work it out for yourself is to not buy the, the most, um, you, it, not buy any kit for a certain amount of time, ideally a year. So set yourself a challenge that you don't buy any kit for a year. And then um, if, but if you can't do a year, just try a certain amount of time um, or maybe start with a month and then try and prolong it. And that will, um, you'll, you, you will learn so much from that. It doesn't mean you're never, ever going to buy a bit of kit again, but you will, it will completely change your mindset. Um, and, and, and if I can reassure you that you, we don't need to be by, we're not keeping people in business by buying this amount of clothing. We can keep the right people in business, uh, by buying moderately and, um, there's too, there's too much clothing and that would be, yeah. So have a go at doing a year, one year, no gear. And, uh, that would be, yeah, that's my advice uh, I, th- I think that was the message at AA as well one year no gear for um, yes. different type of gear but um, yeah along the same lines and um, and and what would your message be to sponsored athletes who potentially their funding is based on they get money to wear kit like new kit is there a I guess they're part of the system but can can you see uh a system that where they could get the funding without no. having to buy into it? No. <laughs> I think we, I mean, if I'm being extreme, I think we need to get away from it, uh, from them being supported by, yeah. Cause I, uh, but Damien's doing a good job because he talks a lot about, I think Damien's doing a good job with what he's got. Uh, he mm. talks a lot about repair um, and he, he's, he gets a lot out of his kit. I, I don't, I, I, I don't like to see the sponsored athletes personally or any kind of ambassador when you're on Instagram and um, who's selling stuff. Uh, but I think it's a really difficult position to be in because mm. that is your job essentially, isn't it? You're selling clothes. Mm. Mm. Um, if you're sponsored by Nike, you're selling their clothes. If you're sponsored by Adidas, you're selling, they, they kind of try and trick you into uh, thinking that, that you're not, but, essentially that that is what you're doing mm. is selling clothing um patagonia they they 
their athletes, their sponsored athletes are not um, are not asked to do the same kind of posts. Um, but they're Patagonia and not everyone's Patagonia, are they? So, mm. um, but yeah, I would encourage, um, I don't know actually the answer for sponsored athletes, but I wouldn't want to be sponsored myself. I'd, I would feel really uncomfortable about, about it. And, and I know a lot of sponsored athletes do feel mm. like the ones that I know, they do feel really torn and uncomfortable. I guess an open relationship with your sponsor where you can have that conversation because that's all that needs to be started, isn't it? That's the start is to have the conversation. Like I, I want to be sponsored by you. I love your products, but I, I don't like the fact that we're overproducing, overconsuming, and then just see what happens from there. Mm. And yeah. and then if people want to follow yourself, rerun Dan, um, what's the best way for them to do that? I guess mostly on Instagram, rerun clothing, um, and then Dan's at the running Dan. He never posts. Oh, he does post when he races, <laughs> but, that, but that's about it. Um, yeah, we 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 put stuff on our social media on our we we have Instagram and Instagram goes on Facebook, so Instagram or Facebook rerun clothing, and we uh, share as much as as we have time to share. So about oh. textile waste. Amazing. Well, thank you so thank much you for so coming much. on the podcast and good luck with, uh, with your mission to make the world a better place. Thank you for having us. Fuck you, buddy.